I want to put before you a simple math problem. Les voy a dar un problema de matemáticas. I promise it won't be too hard, kids. School's coming, so here you go. I want you to think, just for a minute, as my teachers used to say, put your thinking caps on, kids. Think about your weight in pounds. Piensen en su peso en libras. I know you don't want to think about it, but think about it. Now, here's the good part. Divide that by two. Divide that number by two. Dividan su peso en libras por dos. Okay? Got the number? More or less? All right. That number is the quantity in ounces of water that you should be drinking every single day, especially in this heat. Es la cantidad en onzas de agua que deberías estar tomando para no estar deshidratado. That's what you need to not be dehydrated. Okay, so here's the question. Are you doing that? Yeah, confession time. Maybe not, huh? So why not? That's the next question. ¿Por qué no? Right? We know that we need water to be healthy, to survive. We know we should be drinking enough when it's 101 outside. So why don't we do it? Sabemos que es algo saludable, pero ¿por qué no lo hacemos? Why do we allow ourselves to live in a perpetually thirsty state? ¿Por qué permitimos uh, estar deshidratados siempre? That's a good question. Go talk to your doctor about it. But here's the direction I want to take that question this morning. I want to take this in a spiritual direction. Quiero hablar de una forma espiritual. And ask the question, why do we allow ourselves to be spiritually dehydrated? ¿Por qué nos deshidratamos espiritualmente? That's a different kind of question. I don't think there's a mathematical formula to figure that out. But I have a scripture I want us to look at today. In fact, we're going to be doused with scripture today, so uh, get ready. There's a lot of Bible we're going to be looking at. Quiero darles un texto y vamos a mirar muchos textos hoy. But the main scripture we're looking at today is from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. Jeremías 17, versículos 5 al 10. I don't have page numbers up there, but if you go to about the middle of your Bible, you'll see Isaiah, and it's right after Isaiah is Jeremiah. And so as you're looking for that, I just want to set the background here for what we're talking about. Quiero darles el contexto de lo que dice Jeremías 17. Here's the background. The prophet the messenger Jeremiah was sent by God to the people of Judah. Now, the Judah was the southern of two kingdoms, the kingdom of Judah in the south, the kingdom of Israel in the north. Jeremías fue enviado al reino del sur, Judá, en el sur. Now, at that time, the kingdom in the north had already ceased to exist. Israel en el norte eh, ya había dejado de existir. What happened was that the Assyrian army, this great empire from the north, came swooping down upon the people of Israel, and wiped them out, took away their king, and dismantled the whole nation. Los asirios del norte despedazaron a los israelitas en el norte. So that nation was gone. Why? In large part, this happened, the Bible tells us, because this people had turned away from God. They had deprived themselves 
of the benefits of a relationship with God. Se habían privado de una relación con Dios. Now, in the south, in Judah, we find a similar predicament is going on right now. As Jeremiah speaks, hay algo parecido en el sur en Judá. What we have here in Judah is that these people are also in a situation where they are denying themselves the spiritual hydration that they need. They've stopped drinking in the pure water of God. El pueblo de Judá ha dejado de tomar el, puro, el agua pura de Dios. And, and so they're, they're doing other things. They're, they're drinking in salt water, so to speak. And soda, and energy drinks, and, and fruit juices, and all kinds of other sugary stuff in the form of idolatry. In the form of materialism. In the form of sexual immorality, of injustice, of hatred, and division. Does this sound like any world you guys know? Han dejado de tomar agua en forma de idolatría, la inmoralidad sexual, la injusticia y tal. And so God sends Jeremiah to them with a message. Dios le da a Jeremia su mensaje. And beginning in verse 5, we read, This is what the Lord says. Así dice el Señor. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Maldito el hombre que confía en el hombre, maldito el que se apoya en su propia fuerza y aparta su corazón del Señor. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Maldito el que se apoya, or que, que confía en el hombre. Literally, this is saying, cursed is the one who trusts in Adam. Maldito el que confía en Adán. Cursed is the one who trusts in Adam. Adam, of course, was that first human being in Genesis. But what does that mean? ¿Qué significa? What does it mean to trust in Adam? ¿Qué es confiar en Adán? Well, the rest of the verse tells you who, uh, uh, who depends on flesh for his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That's what it is to trust in Adam, el que se apoya en su propia fuerza y aparta su corazón del Señor. To trust in Adam is to, to depend on your own strength and to turn away from trusting God. That's what that's about. Now, we need to do a little bit of translation here when we read that word heart, whose heart turns away from the Lord y aparta su corazón al Señor. We need to make a little conversion in our head. And when you read heart in the, in the Old Testament especially, you need to think not just heart, but mind. I can pensar en la mente. Why? Because for the Hebrew people, the heart was not the place of feeling like it is for us. We think of the heart as that's where I have my feels, right? No, the heart was the place of thinking. Corazón era el lugar de pensamientos. The heart is the place where my thoughts come from. Cursed is the one who trusts in Adam whose thoughts, whose mind, turns away from the Lord. Maldito el que confía en Adán cuya mente aparta del Señor. Now what's the result of that? ¿Cuál es el resultado? Verse 6. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Será como una zarza en el desierto. No se dará, se dará cuenta cuando llegue el bien. Morará en la sequedad del desierto en tierras de sal donde nadie habita. Those who trust in Adam, whose hearts, whose minds, whose thoughts 
turn away from God, they're going to be like a little withered bush in the desert that is dehydrated. It's in a dry place. It's in a salt land, in a desert. Los que confían no en el Señor sino en Adán van a ser como una zarza marchitada en el desierto. They're going to be in the middle of nowhere. Now, the description of the desert that we find here, Bible experts believe that what Jeremiah is doing is he's describing a particular desert. He's describing a desert found in Babylon, which is another place up in the north. It would be present-day Iraq today. Está describiendo el desierto de Babilonia. And why is he describing the desert of Babylon? Because you see, it is the Babylonians from the north who are going to come down just like the Assyrians did, and they're going to come knocking on the door of Judah, and they're going to invade the land and take it apart just like happened up north. Los Babilonios van a venir a invadir y también destruir la tierra de Judá como de Israel. And so he's saying, if you trust in Adam, if you trust in your own strength and you turn your thoughts, you turn your heart away from God, you're going to be spiritually dehydrated and you're going to end up in a desert place in Babylon. Si apartas tus pensamientos del Señor, vas a estar en un desierto. Now the ancient name for Babylon is Babel. Babel. Babel es el nombre antiguo de Babilonia. And there's a story connected with that as well. It's from Genesis chapter 11. You can read that story on your own. And in Genesis 11, we find, we're told that all of the peoples of the world gathered together in one place. They gathered together in Babel, and they all spoke the same language. They were all unified. Los pueblos de la tierra eran uno y tenían el mismo lenguaje. And in Babel, they said, hey, let's build a tower together that will reach up into the heavens, and we will make a name for ourselves. We're going to be famous. We'll be on the top of the food chain. We'll be everything. Vamos a construir una torre al cielo, y vamos a hacernos famosos. And in effect, what they were saying is, we are going to dethrone God. We will, we will focus on our plans, our projects, our priorities, our purposes, our thoughts, not God. Vamos a enfocarnos en los proyectos, las prioridades, los pensamientos de Dios. And what happened is that God came and he scattered them from Babel. He confused their language, broke up the project, and they were scattered throughout the whole earth, and Babel became a desert place. Dios los dispersó, confundió su lenguaje, y Babel se hizo un lugar del desierto. And so Jeremiah here, through a word picture, is saying, this is where you're going when you dehydrate yourself spiritually and you turn away your thoughts from the one true God. There's another way. There's a better way. A mejor camino. And in verse 7, we begin to read about this. Verses 7 and 8. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Bendito el hombre que confía en el Señor y pone su confianza en él. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never 
fails to bear fruit. Será como un árbol plantado junto al agua que extiende sus raíces hacia la corriente. No teme que llegue el calor y sus hojas están siempre verdes en época de sequía. No se angustia y nunca deja de dar fruto. So we have a contrast here. In contrast to the little withered up bush in the desert, we have this massive, beautiful tree, perhaps an oak tree like we have in the valley here, planted by a stream of water. Tenemos aquí a encontrarse la zarza, un árbol grande plantado junto a las aguas. And this tree that's planted by the water sends down its roots and reaches the water table and draws water out of them. This tree is well hydrated. Este árbol está hidratado porque echa raíces a la tierra con agua. And this tree puts out branches. This tree puts out green leaves. Even in the middle of the summer when it's 105 outside, it's bearing fruit. It's doing well. Tiene hojas verdes y siempre lleva frutos. And this is the picture of the one who trusts in God, this one who turns towards the Lord, es el que confía en el Señor. That's the difference. Now, we find the very same word picture confirmed in the Bible. If we go back uh, a couple of pages, a few pages, to Psalm number 1, the very beginning of the book of Psalms, in a comienzo del libro de Salmos, I want to read this for you because there's a striking similarity. El Salmo 1 dice esto. It says, first of all, it uses the word blessing, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. In other words, blessed is a man who does not confide in Adam. Bendito, dichoso el hombre que no sigue el consejo de los malvados, ni se detiene en la senda de los pecados, pecadores, ni cultiva la amistad de los blasfemos, que no confía en Adán. But instead, this man's delight is in the law of the Lord, the instruction, the thoughts the word of God. And on this law, on this instruction from God, he meditates, thinks, ruminates, day and night, contemplates. Sino que en la ley del Señor, la instrucción del Señor se deleita y día de noche medita en ella. What is this man like? Whose thoughts are continually turning over in the ways of God and the thoughts of God. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Es como el árbol plantado a la orilla de un río que cuando llega su tiempo da fruto y sus hojas jamás se marchitan todo cuanto hace prospera. So what we're seeing here is that there's a difference between blessing and curse. And the difference between blessing and curse is where you go with your heart. That is, with your mind. That is, with your thoughts. La diferencia entre maldición y bendición es a dónde vas con tus pensamientos, tu corazón. Do you go to the wisdom of Adam? The advice, the counsel of the wicked? Or do you go in your thoughts? to the one true living God. His wisdom. Vas a la sabiduría de Adán, su consejo, o a la sabiduría de Dios. What we're talking about here is a matter of mental hydration. 
there is an aspect of faith that we need to grasp on here too, and that is that faith has a huge component that must that deals with the mind, that deals with our thoughts. La fe tiene que ver con los pensamientos. And by ourselves, we cannot find that blessing. Why? There's a problem that we need to understand. Hay un problema. Let's go back to Jeremiah 17, 9, and 10. The rest of the scripture that I want to read today. It says, the heart, which we again translate as the mind, is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Nada hay tan engañoso como el corazón no tiene remedio. ¿Quién puede comprenderlo? By ourselves, our hearts, our minds have incredible powers of self-deception and rebellion. Have you ever fooled yourself? Have you ever thought one way that this is the right way and then you get to the end of it and you hit a brick wall and bend your nose and say, well, that was stupid? Yeah, I've been there and done that. What happened? By ourselves, our hearts are deceived. Nuestros corazones, nuestros pensamientos nos engañamos. Who can understand sometimes the way we think? Who can understand the way we do things? Verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a, a person according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Yo, el Señor, sondeo el corazón y examino los pensamientos para darle a cada uno según sus acciones y según el fruto de sus obras. Our hearts are so able to hide and deceive and to rebel and to think that we know what we're doing. Our minds can go in their own direction so much. We hide from God, yes, but we also hide from ourselves. And this is saying, I, God, I can peel through all of that. I can see. I understand your heart. I see your thoughts. And I want to reward you with blessing. I want you to be that tree by the waters, not that bush in the desert. Yo, el Señor, sondeo el corazón para que seas como el árbol junto a las aguas, no la zarza en el desierto. So what we're talking about here is a matter of mental hydration, spiritual hydration, and there's an invitation from God to all of us to seek our source of hydration in him. Dios nos invita a estar hidratados de él. In fact, in the prophet Isaiah, there's this, this uh, invitation. God wants to search our minds and fill our minds so that he can He can. Allow us to flourish in his presence. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Isaiah 55, 1. I told you we're going to jump all over the Bible. Just listen if, if you're having trouble keep up, keeping up. That's okay. Isaiah 55, 1 says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Vengan a las aguas a todos los que tengan sed. What is that talking about? What, what do you mean, come to the waters, you who are thirsty? If we go down to verse 6, I think this is what it's saying. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Busquen al Señor mientras se deje encontrar. Llámenlo mientras esté cercano. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Que abandone el malvado su camino, el perverso sus pensamientos. And let him turn 
to the Lord and he will have mercy. Que se vuelva al Señor, que es generoso para perdonar. What that's talking about is something, a church word we used called repentance. It literally means a change of mind. Seek the Lord. Come to the water. Seek the Lord. Forsake your way of thinking. Give up your uh, fruitless ways of rationalizing everything you do in life and come to God. Dejen sus maneras de pensar y vengan a Dios. Why is that? A good thing to do, verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Tus pensamientos no son los de ustedes, mis pensamientos no son los de ustedes, ni mis, sus caminos los míos. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Mis caminos y mis pensamientos son más altos que los de ustedes. God here is inviting. He's saying, come find spiritual hydration. Come find life. Come find blessing. He's inviting us to become thoughtful people. Thoughtful people by occupying our thoughts, our minds, our hearts with him. Nos invita a ser personas que piensan ocupándonos con la realidad de él. A couple weeks ago, I was listening to a little podcast by an editor of Christianity Today magazine. It's a magazine you can see online. And this editor, Mark Galley, was talking about what is going on in the church today. Uh, un redactor de, de una revista hablaba de la iglesia hoy en día, and he said, here's what I observe in the Christian church, in, the, in God's people, in our culture. We are in a place where we, we are resisting the knowledge of God. We're busy. We have entertaining worship times, and we have great activities that we're doing all over the place and great efforts for God. But there is something going on right now in God's people where we are keeping God at arm's length, and we are so uh, uh, really not very profound in our knowledge of God. No estamos buscando al Señor, estamos activos haciendo cosas. Another writer put it this way. The reality of God falls lightly on the American church. La realidad de Dios cae suave sobre la iglesia americana. We're looking for church light. God light. Just a little bit of Bible. Someone else said we're we're Bible quoters, not Bible studiers. Something I can post on Instagram or whatever. Queremos citar la Biblia, pero no conocer la Biblia. It's kind of like drinking water, right? We know we should be closer to God. We know we should get to know him. Sabemos que debemos conocer a Dios. We know it's good for us, but there's something inside that says, mm, it's too hard. 
We resist, resistimos. What's going on with that? Psalm 10, verse 4, I think, gives us some light on our path. As Salmo 4 says, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. El malvado levanta insolente la nariz y no da lugar a Dios en sus pensamientos. What keeps us from drawing closer to God? Pride. Simply put, pride. And maybe some fear. El orgullo, la insolencia, nos detiene de Dios. But here's the thing. It is easier to do things for God than to actually encounter God. Es más fácil hacer cosas por Dios que encontrarnos con Dios. But that's a dangerous habit. In Matthew 7:22, Jesus said this, Mateo 7:22. He said, "Many will say to me on that day, that is the final day or the day of judgment, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? God, didn't we do such awesome things for you, God? Don't you, aren't you impressed with all we did? Muchos me dirán en aquel día de juicio, Señor, no profetizamos en tu nombre, en tu nombre expusamos demonios, hicimos milagros. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Entonces les diré claramente, jamás los conocí. Aléjense de mí, hacedores de maldad. It's easier to do things for God than to actually get to know God. But Jesus says, if you don't get to know me, there's no life. You're like a bush in the desert. You're dehydrated. Es más fácil hacer cosas por Dios que conocerlo, pero sin conocer a Jesús no hay vida. Eres una zarza en el desierto. Come to the waters. So here's what I'm thinking. The writer of Psalm 139 is on the right track. This is where I want to land in, in my thoughts here. Psalm 139, verse 17. El salmista en Salmo 139, 17, nos dice esto. It says this. Just soak this in. Psalm writer says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Cuán preciosos, oh Dios, me son tus pensamientos. Cuán inmensa es la suma de ellos. Those are the words of someone who is enraptured, captivated, drawn up into the immense beauty, greatness, vastness of God. Es alguien cautivado de la inmensidad de Dios. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, you suck, think more about God. That's not what I'm saying. No quiero decir, ustedes deben pensar más de Dios. God is not saying that. What he is saying is, come, 
Come to me and get to know me. Vengan a conocerme, dice Dios. What we're talking about is becoming thoughtful people by hydrating ourselves, immersing ourselves in the immense beauty of God as he is through his word. Se trata de ser personas que pensamos al, al estar inmersos en la gloria y la grandeza de Dios. It's about getting wrapped up in God. It's about something called theology instead of something called anthropology. Se trata de teología en vez de antropología. What's anthropology? Well, it's a science, yes, but it's the study, literally the study of people or the study of this world. Antropología es el estudio de las cosas aquí. That's what we do every day, right? We live in anthropology. Got to get to work. Got to get to school. Got to get this done. Got to get that done. Got to pay the bills. Got to run from here to there. Got to take care of that. Put out that fire. Deal with that drama. Anthropology. You want to stay there with your thoughts, you're going to be like a bush in the desert. Si te quedas ahí, eras como una zarza en desierto. Theology is lifting up our thoughts, our gaze, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our everything to the living God and allowing him to be within us. I've, I've been saying all year, you've heard me, if you've been here more than once, you've heard me say we're swimming in a secular ocean, right? You've heard me say that maybe 12 times, I don't know. Estamos nadando en un océano secular. I need to change that. We're not swimming in a secular ocean. We're dying in a secular desert. Estamos moribundos en un desierto secular. And what we're talking about here is swimming in the vastness of the greatness of the glory of God and learning how to think his thoughts after us, that he would be in our hearts and in our minds. That's theology. Que Dios esté en nuestro corazón. It's like, like one guy said. He said, it's like, it's like this. This is a chalice, a cup. It's like the ocean, the sea of God's word and God's thoughts flooding the chalice of our hearts and our minds. Es como el mar de Dios que inunde el cáliz de nuestra mente. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just thought about Jesus, for example? Have you thought about the greatness and the glory of God? The other night I was on my porch looking at the sunrise or sunset, thinking about the providence, thinking about the, the provision of God. And the Bible talks about that. But have you thought about God's provision in Jesus? Han pensado en Jesús? Have you ever meditated on some of the things that Jesus said? I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Have you ever meditated on his miracles? how he touched people, how he loved people, how he raised people. I'm meditando sus milagros. Have you ever stopped and just become absorbed in your mind with the, with the cross, what he did on the cross to die for you and me? He suffered, he bled, what he went through. Have you ever just, just let your mind go there? I'm pensando en lo que es la cruz. Have you, have you ever just been wrapped up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and the, what that means. Jesus is alive. Jesus has risen from the dead. It changes everything, every moment of every day of my life that Jesus lives. It changes me. And he's still alive. Jesus 
vive, and he's risen, he's ascended, the Bible says, that he's, he's gone to the Father's side, ascendido al, al lado del Padre, where is Jesus today? Where is his physical resurrected body today? It's still alive. At the Father's side, that means he's in control of everything in my life and in this world. I don't understand it, but I believe it. Have you ever been absorbed in the fact that he's coming again what we sang I believe he's coming again and that the things that are going on in our world we don't understand so much of it we don't understand these shootings that are going on we don't understand the violence we don't understand the hatred and we will never understand it from this plane the more we think about it the more we focus on it the more crazy we're gonna go entre más nos enfocamos en este plano más locos vamos a venir we need theology. We need God. We need to hydrate ourselves. We're thirsty for water, but we're not willing to drink. We're thirsty for God. Are we willing to come into his presence and get to know him? So what does that mean? Oh, my, I don't know. Que significa? It means a lot of things, but I think one of the things it means is that we step into habits that allow us to drink. If you're going to drink water, well, Put a bottle in the fridge and go there once in a while, right? Pull it out and drink it. It's that practical. We have bottles of spiritual water available to us all the time. Prayer. You do not have to go anywhere for prayer. You can pray right where you are. Puedes orar donde estás. In prayer, you fill your mind with God, and God is filling your mind. Te llenas la mente de Dios en oración. The scriptures, reading this book, reading it, not just a little bit, but reading as much of it as you can. But Pastor Russ, it's hard to understand this book. Es difícil comprenderlo. Yeah, I know. It says in here God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It tells us that it's hard to understand. It's not lying to us, but that doesn't mean we give up trying because God has put it in our laps. Ha puesto su palabra en nuestro regazo para que lo leamos. So prayer and scripture. And there's another thing that I've been thinking about that we talked about a few months ago called conversation or conference, the Puritans called it. La conversación espiritual. It just means talking about the things of God. Just talking about them. We come to church, and I did it this morning. I'm going to confess. What's the first thing you say? Hi, how about that heat? Yeah, it's hot this time of year all the time. So why do we talk about that? How about those Dodgers? Yeah, the Dodgers are hot this time of year every year. It won't last, so don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, we talk about, hey, how about vacation? Yeah, I know, vacation always happens around this time. How about the kids going back to school? Yeah, I know, that also happens too. We talk about those things, right? Hablamos de las cosas de este mundo, anthropology. But how often do we just come to one another and say, hey, how about God? How about Jesus? How about what he's doing in that person's life and in my life and in your life? That spiritual conversation. And that brings us to the oasis where we can drink deeply with one another. La conversación espiritual. I said it at our 20th anniversary a few months ago. I love this quote. It's been with me all year from the French, the French scientist and philosopher Pascal. Look it up. Pascal, a filósofo francés, dijo esto. He said, all faith, all faith is in Jesus or in Adam. Those are the two options. Toda la fe está en Jesús o en Adán. 
All faith is in Jesus or in Adam. Take your choice. We need to lose faith. We need to lose faith in Adam, in ourselves. We need to gain faith in the true Adam, Jesus. Tenemos que perder la fe en Adán y ganar la fe en Jesús. So this is my encouragement and invitation. Not try harder. Just lean into the sources of water that are available to you. Lean into prayer. Que puedan practicar la oración. We just got through a series on the Lord's Prayer, right? There's so much to think about there. I'm still thinking about the Lord's Prayer and praying it and, and just wrapping my heart and mind around it. Piensen en el Padre Nuestro. Reading the Bible. We're in a two-year cycle. If you don't know about it, we have schedules in the back. You can read the Bible every day, just a few minutes. That is changing me and blessing me every single day. I want to invite you into that. Que lean la Biblia. It's incredible what's in this book. It'll surprise you. And that spiritual conversation. In fact, here's what I'm going to ask of you today, if you would uh, be so kind. When I dismiss you in a few minutes after we've sung and we've, we've had a blessing, I'm going to let you go. And I want to ask for one minute, just one minute. Quiero pedirles un minuto. For the first minute after we are concluded here, would you be willing to talk about God? Not how about this or how about that, how about where you're going for lunch. How about God? What did God bring to you this morning? What do you think about what the scriptures have told you today? What do you need to do to seek God this week? Que piensen de Dios. I want to invite you, just take 60 seconds and talk to somebody around you and, and talk about God. It's about becoming more thoughtful people. Thoughtful. And so I want to pray for us to do that. Vamos a ser personas que pensamos. Vamos a orar. As we pause here, Heavenly Father, we recognize that your word, your message to us is like drinking out of a fire hose. It is so powerful. It is so abundant. It doesn't need to be propped up or helped in any way. Tu palabra es como una manguera de bomberos que es tan abundante y poderoso lo que viene a nosotros. And this abundance is available if only we would come. Lord Jesus, be our oasis. Be, dear Jesus, our best thought by day or by night. Help us to love you with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Que tú nos ayudes a amarte de todo corazón, de toda nuestra mente, Señor. Be thou our vision. 
Oh, Lord of our hearts. Que seas tú nuestra visión, Señor, de nuestro corazón. We ask this in the name, in the person, the reality of Jesus. Te pedimos en el nombre de Jesús. And all God's people said, Amen.